0: I think we should just sing our intro from now on. <laughs> Sorry, Arms the Keembo.
1: Yikes. We're taking sure we over. lose listeners at that point. <laughs> Half the people are here only for that song.
0: Yeah, they just play that on repeat.
1: <laughs> this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One
0: Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hey. And I'm Sabrina, and we're on the same coast. We are, because New York owns you for one month. Basically a full month. I just got here. I feel so luxurious. Staying in a hotel is really fun. I get to like watch TV when I go to bed and just like hang out it's like all sweet night.
1: Sweet life of Zach and Cody. It's a sweet life of Sabrina. It really
0: does feel like that. I fell asleep watching Forensic Files, which is something we would never be able to do if I was at home with Nick because I don't think that's a great nighttime show for oh for us. And then <laughs> and then I discovered for us or for him. I think for him. I was being nice. And I discovered this show called Very Scary People. It's on this network called HLN, which is a CNN. I had to look it up because I was like, I've never heard of HLN, but CNN owns it, I guess. And it's, the show is so good. I watched one about Jim Jones and then I watched another one about John Wayne Gacy. And then I fell asleep watching the Eileen Woodrow one, but It's so good and so detailed. It's like goes into it's an hour long episode and they go into every little detail about these people's lives and they interview the people who are part of the investigations and then the trials and some of like the family members victims. It's really good.
1: There's a podcast and I can't even remember the name of it. I'm going to look it up right now. I just started it, but it, it kind of as you were talking, it reminded me of that because it's The whole podcast is about this like horrific, horrific murder that happened. So Jill texted me, my roommate Jill, and she said, Have you heard of The Heads of Sierra Blanca? What? It's a podcast. And she goes, It may be the most fucked up podcast I've ever heard. It's about a serial killer, and I don't think I'm gonna sleep. It posted a live stream. They include it in the podcast. And then she just like goes into all of the details. And I was like, what? How did I not hear of this? This can't. What? And so I Googled it. And not to spoil it for anyone. But it turns out that it's a scripted podcast. So oh. it's, it's a lot of creative writing and some amazing voice actors where it tricked Jill a little bit. But she was so happy oh my to gosh. hear it. It didn't actually happen because she was like, I'm not going to sleep. This is the scariest thing to happen. But... Um, I feel like it's a really good one. I just started listening to the f- first episode this or today, uh-huh. but I feel like anyone who liked The Black Tapes, this Ooh. could be like a good murdery version sort of of the
0: Black I tapes. miss The Black Tapes. Okay.
1: The Black Tapes were great.
0: Wait, I'm going to download in it, in That's it great. with them. I'll add that to my list of things to fall asleep to while I'm in New York.
1: Oh, and for book club, Yes, what did you read? So I made my book club. We picked out a, the, I think it was the first book that the TGOG book club read. Broken the Girls? Broken Girls. Yes. It's so good. What'd you think? Oh, well, no, we picked it out today. So I'll oh, <laughs> report oh, back oh. in four weeks. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I just That's was like, great. it's spooky season, so I get to pick because I'm the scariest person in this book club. <laughs>
0: That's how it always is for mine, too, and I'm bummed I'm missing our Halloween book club because I'm here. But I've already been looking up, and because of all the research I was doing for the episode today, I found multiple haunted houses
1: in New York that I definitely want to go to. Oh my god, hell yes. I need to find some good, like, I really want to go to those corn mazes where they, they run through Chase the corn you. directly at you. Like, you're t- trying Ooh. to take the paths, but...
0: They're cutting through. They're cutting. I feel like those are my nightmares. Like, I already dream that. I don't need <laughs> to live it, too.
1: Oh, my God. Speaking of nightmares. What? So, good and bad thing happened. Yesterday, I went to Maggie Rogers. That was good. That was actually it excellent. so good. She's so freaking amazing. It was so much fun. And you had good seats. Oh, no. We were almost in the very last row i just was really good at being really still and zooming oh. in and trying to hold my phone and track and you're very impressive it looked like i was way closer than i was but i was like i don't know like the 10th row from the very last row you could
0: be a surgeon with those steady hands <laughs> change your career surprisingly
1: i already had three drinks so oh my god even, more, even impressive. more impressive pat myself on the back here <laughs> but she was just so amazing and she's she just like floats all over the stage and you can tell that she's not even really thinking about what she looks like or what dance moves. She just does what she feels and it's just so refreshing and energizing to see someone like that. That's amazing. So the whole time I was so into it. And then the nightmare that happened was I, I don't think I'm normally an awkward person, but I was so awkward in this one moment because I saw three girls walk by me and like locked eyes with one of them and she looked almost identical to my cousin one of my cousin's friends mm-hmm. who I hung out with like twice. And so we both lock eyes and we're like, Oh my God, hey hug her and then I'm like, Oh my god and then I turned to the other two girls to say and I start saying like, Oh, I'm Lainey's cousin because I thought it was my cousin's <laughs> friend. And then I realized I went to high school with the other two girls. And then I turned back to the girl that I think is my cousin's friend. I go, Oh my God, I went to high school with them. We went to high school together. And she goes, Yes, we all did. And then she like reminded me of all their names and I was like, I am such an idiot. Oh. Like I just I just went past it. She's like, Oh cool, like do you guys live in Boston? But I was mortified after I was like, Wait, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. It seems like you covered well. I don't think so. <laughs> it's fine. but i was also like how funny that i thought it was someone else that i knew but it still turned out to be someone that i that is named. really funny it'd probably be worse if i hugged a random stranger i don't think any of those are bad okay you're fine i just i've had increasing amounts of shame recently shame is upon me it's
0: not it's in your mind i don't know i think things are changing <laughs> shame is coming
1: <laughs> shame shame is coming
0: I actually yesterday I had just gotten off the plane I went to my hotel I dropped my stuff off and I was going to meet my sister for dinner and I was walking on the street and I ended up going to the wrong restaurant so then I was turning around and I went to the other and like where I was going in the direction of the right one and I walked past this girl and I'm like that looks so much like my cousin's cousin and sure enough she turned around a second later and goes Sabrina And it was, it was her. And like, had I not gone to the wrong restaurant, had I not walked out the right time, I wouldn't have seen her. But it was just so random. And of the amount of people who live in New York City that I ran into her and like the first person I saw on the street. It was funny.
1: That's so wild. Small world. It's moments like that that make the world feel so small.
0: Yeah. And she like lives in Germany right now. So she's like only here for a few weeks for a wedding. So the chances of running into
1: her were so slim. Yeah. So slim. And you don't even live in New York. I know. So crazy. You guys just both randomly were in New York on the same street passing by each other in the same moment. Destiny. 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 We have a business small-ish podcast update. Yeah. A business update. <laughs> a business update. I was trying to
0: think of like a combo
1: word for that. Like
0: a shipping. Like business date. But that's not. No. It's just an update. We're
1: just. Changing a little bit as we start breaking into our third year of doing things. So crazy ish. Yeah, I guess this is we're, we've moved into our third year, third calendar year, but not no
0: because we've we've already hit two years. So we're working right now is currently the third year of our podcast that we're working through.
1: You're right. We're working towards the third. Yeah,
0: <sighs> math, math. So, Crin and I are very busy human beings, but. And so are all of you. And all of you are. And there's a combo platter of reasons that we want to do this. But one of them is that we're so busy. So we are cutting the podcast back down to... That makes it sound bad. But this is a great thing. This is great news.
1: (laughs) We tried to make the best of... Something bad. No, No, it's not bad. Fuck. We're fucking this up. It's a great thing. We're going to go back to one episode a week, but
0: instead of short encounter episodes on Wednesdays where we only read four stories, we're going to do every other Sunday. It's going to be a full length encounters episode of an hour and a half of reading your stories, listener stories, because we have over... Over like 4,000 unread emails in our inbox right like, now.
1: Oh, unread. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure our inbox is like 5,000.
0: Okay. But maybe it's that, but they're all stories. We did stories. read a lot our
1: first year.
0: Yeah. There's so many ghost stories that you guys have been sending us and reading for a week just like hasn't been enough. So we're going to do...
1: No, it leaves us craving way more. Yeah.
0: So we're going to do one episode every other Sunday where it's a full encounter. It's an hour and a half of your stories. And then the other two Sundays of the month are going to be... Our regular, like this episode, where we do research, we pick a topic, etc.
1: Yeah, so still pretty much the same stuff. It's just a little different in terms of yeah when you get this stuff and for how long you get this stuff. We're still us. We're still us. Just two girls and one more time commitment. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and we
0: just figure people love listening to the ghost stories people want to hear their stories on the episodes and so here we are here we are uh but that will start november so we'll continue the way we are Mm -hmm. all the way through the end of october our spooky favorite season so you'll get tons of good goodies including the one this week which i'm very excited to get into oh yeah i need to take my sweater off hold on i'm overheating okay so, the topic for this week was chosen by a Patreon donor, Kim, and she chose the dark carnival or carnivals and circuses. Yes. Which is so fun and creepy.
1: The whole time I was writing the episode this week, I was just thinking of Halloween Horror Nights and going through the, what was it? It was Killer uh, Clowns. Yeah, the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, my gosh. That one was so cool with, like, the banana cream pie oh. and, like, all the different smells. Mm-hmm. Popcorn. Now you're making Ugh. me hungry. I know. Or I think of the movie Us when she starts walking into the fun house.
0: Oh, the, yes.
1: The house of mirrors.
0: Ugh. Who's first this week?
1: Um, That would be you.
0: Oh, great, because that's a great segue for me because I am doing the story of Elmer McCurdy – The man who traveled from carnival to carnival while he was dead. What? For over 70 years, the corpse of Elmer McCurdy was on display in multiple carnivals (gasps) and then eventually inside a carnival funhouse at the Pike Amusement Zone in Long Beach, California.
1: Why do I kind of know about this?
0: Many podcasts, including My Favorite Murder, have done this story. Okay, but I wanted to do it because it is so good and so so good.
1: Oh my god. So
0: creepy and it just like blows my mind. You'll well I'll tell you everything and then you'll know why it blows my mind because it's just like how does this happen? But anyway for years like strange things would happen at these carnivals and strange things would happen at the Pike amusement zone and no one understood why but perhaps it had to do with the dead man
1: hanging inside as a prop. (laughs) so a little bit of that's so messed up like kids are probably bumping into that they didn't know it was a
0: real corpse either it's crazy it's so bonkers how this happens and then the way that it it was revealed that it was a real corpse is even more crazy and terrifying like if that happened to me i'd probably commit myself to my bed for the rest of my life Oh,
1: i know exactly okay yeah memories are flooding back (laughs) but For those who haven't listened to those other podcasts,
0: let's give it a hear. And even if you have, it's October and we love hearing spooky things. Okay, so Elmer J. McCurdy was born on the very first day of the year 1880, also known as January 1st, 1880, (laughs) in Washington, Maine to a single mother. Her name was Sadie McCurdy. She was 17 years old when Elmer was born. And there were rumors that Elmer was actually a product of incest with a Uh, with the cousin, Sadie's cousin, whose name was Charles Smith. And because of that... How old was Charles, I wonder? I don't know. I, I don't know that. But when Elmer was born, everyone was kind of giving Sadie the side eye. And there was like, you know, during that time, during the 1800s, a single woman raising a child out of wedlock was very frowned upon, unfortunately. So in order to save herself from the in quotes, embarrassment, which are not my words, but just how the interweb described it as, mm-hmm. and also how it was at that time in the world, in order to save her from like all the looks and like the judgment from from all the townspeople, her brother George and his wife Helen adopted Elmer as their own son. So Elmer grew up believing that his parents were George and Helen and that his aunt was Sadie. But then, in 1890, George died of tuberculosis, and Helen and Sadie moved with Elmer to Bangor, Maine. A few days after their arrival, Sadie decided to tell Elmer that she was his mother and not Helen. Naturally, that's not like an easy thing to comprehend no, you can't or process. Just dump that on someone. No, no, and I mean, I think when's the right time? I don't know what. what there probably There's is probably no, right no right time.
1: time. Corinne but the worst Jinx. time would be after a death of who you believe to be your, your father, father. Yeah. And you just moved to a whole new mm-hmm. place that seems like the least opportune time to just drop another bomb. Yeah. And he was only
0: 10. He was 10 years oh, old at this he time. He was 10. Yeah, so he was young. And Elmer didn't know – he didn't know how to process it. He struggled with this news and he – the man he thought was his father was dead. He now has these two women in his life who are both his mother and he doesn't know how to process it. And he's 10 years old and begins to drink. Oh. And and also Sadie was like, I don't know who your real father is. I think because she didn't want to – either she didn't know or – who knows what the situation was, if if he was a product of incest or if Charles Smith was a horrible person and she didn't want him to know that he was his father. I don't know. But anyway, Elmer becomes unruly and rude and he left home to live with his grandparents back in Washington, Maine, where he was born. And apparently he heard the rumors that Charles Smith was his father and just like got what got more into alcohol and became even more of a drunk. It became unruly and rude. He starts shadowing his grandfather who was a plumber. And so he's becoming his apprentice and he's working every day with his grandfather. But then his liquor intake gets very out of hand and he can't keep a job and he loses his job in 1898. So now he's 18 at this point point. And a year later, his mother, Sadie, died from a ruptured ulcer. And then a month later, his grandfather, who he was studying under, died. And so everything was just crumbling before him. It's all happening within this like short little time period. He just feels like he can't handle anything. And so instead of dealing with it, which is hard to do, he just became a drifter and moved around the U.S. or drank his way around the U.S. He would pick up odd jobs plumbing, and then he would get drunk, and he'd get fired, and he'd move on to the next place, and he was in jail in 1905 for his drinking, and then in 1907, he joined the army, where they put him in charge of operating the machine guns and trained him how to make explosives for demolition purposes, which sounds very safe and very smart.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, And in
0: 1910, Elmer was honorably discharged from the army, which I'm not... I might be speaking out of turn, but I know, I think that there are some situations where people are honorably discharged when they do something really bad in the military, but they don't want to deal with the whole thing.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't really know much about Yeah, that.
0: All I know is that he continued to drink during his time in the army. And then when he left, which was like November 7th of 1910, he met up with some old army buddies and three days later were arrested because they were found with like all these tools for robbery. And he was found with chisels, hacksaws, funnels, gunpowder, explosives, and money sacks. And they were planning to rob a bank, but also back at wherever he was staying with his army buddies, they had found all these plans and kind of beginnings of a invention that they were making apparently they were building their own machine gun and building their own explosives which are all things that he had learned in the army and
1: that's not okay yeah so
0: he and his buddy were arrested but then they couldn't they because they didn't actually rob a bank there was no proof that that's what they were going to do so they were found not guilty and elmer's let out of jail and he's like i'm invincible no one can touch me I'm gonna rob a I'm gonna rob a bank for real, or I'm gonna rob something for real.
1: Just do a different, come up with a different plan, man. You know, it would uh
0: seem like the right, you know, that seems like the logical thing to do, but it probably isn't the easiest thing to do. <laughs> Wait, oh my gosh! A few of my coworkers were just telling me that apparently robbing banks is really easy, and it happens well, all the yeah, time. Yeah, the
1: act of robbing a bank is easy, but. You're not going to get away with it. No,
0: but people get away with it all the time, apparently.
1: How? With all the cameras and they were doing the fast research, response? and
0: apparently in Los Angeles, or in California, or something like that, the the amount of robberies to how many people actually get caught, it's like the if you do it once, usually you can get away with it, but it's the second time, or if you continue to do it and get greedy, is when you get caught. And I was like, how is that possible? But apparently, it is because you can just I'm sure go up to the they have, teller like,
1: a certain amount of cash that's like prepared Expendable. and ready to give if you're held at gunpoint. Gunpoint. Yeah. But isn't that but, crazy? I mean, if you're going to go for like a real you're not going to with it. No.
0: No. And Elmer is proof of that. And this is the 1900s, early 1900s, and he did not do so good. Um there's a really funny quote I'll tell you about later that makes me it's it's sad. I'm sorry, Elmer. He had a tough life but doesn't forgive him for doing these horrible things. He didn't kill anyone at least. Okay, so Elmer decides he's going to start robbing banks and trains. And so he continues to build his explosives. And he and a few buddies go and rob this train called the Iron Mountain Missouri Pacific train. It's a mouthful. And they stop it and they find the train car because apparently there was a safe that was traveling on one of the train cars. And they had heard through the grapevine what train car it was on. So they stopped the train. They go and find this train car, they get inside, they find this massive safe, which is supposedly supposed to have $4,000 in it, and they're like, this is going to be the jackpot, the money load, I'm so excited, I will never need for anything ever again in my life, and so they're in there, and Elmer has, has his explosives that he's prepared, and he puts it on the safe door, and boom, it explodes, but he... Wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, and he built explosives that were far too strong. And so the safe door opens, and when he looks inside, basically all of the money was destroyed through the explosion.
1: Oh, no.
0: And so... They were like a lot of silver coins in there. But because of the heat and the explosion, they ble- like melded into the safe. So even if they could scrape it off the safe door, which is extremely heavy, you- where are you going to take that to be like, hey, here's my money. Here's a blob of sil- melted silver. Yeah. And so they ended up only walking away with $450 rather than the 4000 that was
1: inside. Wow. That is such a bummer. Yeah. This kind of – it re- it reminds me of – I feel like I bring up this TV show in every single episode, but In the Good Place, mm-hmm. when the one who's originally the monk, when he and his buddy – Oh, oh, oh. Jay. a J. Jason. Jason. There we go. Jason. When Jason and his buddy lock him with, like, a snorkeling mask inside mm-hmm. of a safe. This is what it's reminding me of. That is very of. funny. Just, like, it's just, like, not and- totally thought out. Not at all. Yeah.
0: So he's like, kind of bummed. He didn't. It didn't work out the way it wa- he wanted it to. But it's okay. There are more trains. There's more money. There are more banks. We can still do this. So in September of 1911, he do, he's like, "All right, buddies, army buds, we're gonna do this again, and we're gonna rob Citizens Bank in Kansas." And so he and his friends spend two hours chipping away at the bank wall with hammers, and they finally get through, and they're into the they're in the bank's vault. like how i'm doing my action i'm like like you're creeping puppeteers so they get inside to the bank vault and the door is there so they have to put an explosive on the vault door and we already know elmer's not great at judging how many explosives he needs and yet again he underestimated the power of the explosives and so he explodes the vault door the vault door opens but then the entire bank basically gets destroyed and starts crumbling in on them so he's like able to creep inside into the vault but the safe door is still locked and so he has to try to use another explosive to open the safe but the fuse wouldn't light so he wasn't able to and then their getaway driver or whoever was going to be like their watch guy or whoever it was got freaked out, was like, this isn't going against plan. And they ran. So then they're like, shoot, we're going to get caught. We just need to get to, we need to go as quick as possible. So they see this little tray outside of the safe that had $150 in it. And so they grabbed the $150 and leave.
1: Wow. I'm surprised his friends are even using him anymore. I'd be like, sorry, I don't think that you're really adding much to our, <laughs> our group anymore. You kind of ruin every plan. <laughs>
0: It sounds like though they they probably didn't have the skills to use explosives, so without him they True. He got them into the door it's just. True. Maybe they you know, they needed to pick up
1: their their
0: slack. They they weren't and doing third their Third
1: times part. the charm, like first time was a wash, second time also pretty bad. But did did he get a chance to do a third one? There's a third one. So so Elmer's
0: like, okay, I'm not great at this, but Instead of finding another more practical job, Elmer's like, okay, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to like shack up in this haystead at my friend's like barn, and I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink a lot and keep drinking, and then drink a little bit more, and then some more, and then maybe like I'll come up with a brilliant plan. Turns out, a friend comes up to him. He didn't even have to find the plan because a friend found the plan for him. A friend comes up to him and goes, a Katy train has $400,000 cash on it. And it's going to be traveling through this area very soon. And it was apparently some like money that was going to be transferred for a royal transaction. I don't know all the specifics, but they're like, we know the train. We know where, it, where it's going to be when it's coming. Elmer's like, Oh yeah, his eyes are lighting up. There's like that drunken glaze where you like think everything's brilliant. And he's like, we're doing it. That's so much money. I I believe third time's a charm. He's on the same page as you, Corinne. He's like, we got this. (laughs) And so Elmer forgot to stop drinking before this intended attack. And he forgot to stop drinking. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, it slipped my mind. Forgot to stop.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess if you're already drunk, of course, you're not going to (laughs) be very thoughtful. No. So
0: Elmer and his buddies stop a passenger train instead of the train that had the money on it. But they're like, okay, well, we stopped this train, so we have to get something. We still have to rob these people. So they go on the train, and they're, like, waving their guns around, and they're like, give us your money. Give us everything you have. And they walked away with $46, two bottles of whiskey, an automatic revolver, a coat, and a watch,
1: a newspaper. Who would give them the automatic revolver?
0: I don't know. I don't think they willingly gave it to them. I think they forced it from them.
1: Good God. Yeah, maybe the person took it out trying to defend maybe themselves and- so
0: a newspaper this is the quote that i think is very delightful a newspaper called it one of the smallest robberies in the history of train robbery
1: <laughs> okay you suck <laughs> uh
0: so elmer was very discouraged again and so he continued to drink and he has tuberculosis he gets pneumonia but he's like screw it i'm gonna keep drinking how he has the money to drink, I don't know, but how old is he at this point?
1: Uh this is nineteen eleven, so he's thirty. Thirty. Yeah. And he started drinking when he was ten. Yeah. Man,
0: poor guy. So Elmer continues to drink and on October sixth, nineteen eleven, Elmer passes out in a drunken stupor in his hay shed, and the next morning he wakes up like a like a she shed? What's a she shed? <laughs>
1: What? Like a man cave, but it's a she shed.
0: Oh, oh, that's amazing. I want a she shed. Yeah. I mean, this hotel room is kind of my she shed. <laughs> no boys allowed. So he's sleeping on hay. So he wakes up. It's October 7th, 1911. He wakes up. He's like super hungover. And he's like about to reach for his bottle of whiskey to like, you know, best cure to hangovers. Hair of the dog. And um, he sees three cops waiting outside for him. And apparently overnight, a warrant was put out for his arrest of this passenger train robbery and like a, I think a $4,000 reward, which is cruel because that's more money than he's ever even stolen. <laughs> and he sees them. And he grabs this automatic rifle that he stole on the train and just starts shooting at them. And so there are these three sheriffs outside and they duck behind anything they can. They like try to save their own lives and he fired at them for an
1: entire hour. What? How did he have that much ammo? What kind of bag does this man carry where he has backup explosives and an hour's worth of ammo? But this was where he was sleeping. This is like where he was staying. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm just picturing him like at least doing a little bit of movement. And <laughs> I feel like you're, I know.
0: you're picturing him like the Mary Poppins
1: bag. Yes.
0: No, no, he's in his own home. So he's like in this like, but he's he's kind of at an advantage, right? Because he has the security of this building and they're out in the open. So he's firing at them. Apparently it lasts for a full hour and the cops are firing back when they can. And eventually the shooting just stops. And so they creep into the haystack and there they find Elmer dead, one gunshot wound to his chest. And they don't know which of the three men killed him because they were all shooting back. But you know how death usually implies the end of someone's story. This is not the case with Elmer because his journey was kind of only just beginning because Elmer had no family. So his body was taken to a funeral home and embalmed with arsenic or with a fluid that had arsenic in it. So basically, that was used in order to preserve the body for a longer time because the funeral director was like, okay, we'll preserve his body and hopefully someone who loves him or is his family member will come and claim him and then they'll do the proper burial and everything. Mm-hmm. But no one was coming for him and eventually some old friend came to claim Elmer's body, but the funeral director was requesting an immense amount of money because he was like, I did this embalming, like I need to be paid for my services and the friend didn't have the money to do it. Maybe a friend from his robberies who doesn't have money because he failed in the robberies. I don't know. But anyway, so Elmer's body remained at the funeral home because the funeral director refused to give him up without his money. So he was like, oh my God, okay, I've lost so much money on this Elmer guy. I am, I, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to make money off of him. So he puts Elmer in some street clothes, gives him a rifle and a hat and uh, displays him in the front room of the funeral home and goes to the Holy newspaper, crap. puts out some advertisements, word of mouth, telling everyone, hey, like, come see the world's worst robber. In uh, Oh my God. Dude, I feel <laughs> kind of bad for him. Me too. I don't know if he said, come see the world's worst robber, but I feel like... <laughs> I was like, this dude can't catch a break. <laughs> it Seriously though. So they like prop him up and people start coming and paying some money to him, and so he's making his money back on, on this guy, on Elmer's body. And then five, for, so this was like happening for five years. The funeral director was making money off of Elmer's body. And then in 1916, these two men claiming to be Elmer's long lost brothers showed up to claim the body, and they paid the director, the funeral director, his money, and they took the body. But they were not Elmer's long-lost brothers. They were brothers. It was James and Charles Patterson who were brothers. Oh, was like,
1: the Ringling Brothers. <laughs> Close. We're going to the circus. We are
0: going to a carnival. James and Charles Patterson owned a carnival. And they had heard about Elmer's body and how he was making this funeral director money. And they're like, we like money. We have a carnival. People come to carnivals for all kinds of weird things, like a dead body. So they bought Elmer's body and they put him on display as a part of their traveling carnival. So for decades, Elmer was going from carnival to carnival. He was bought and sold dozens of times. And each time his backstory kept changing. So like in 1933, he was purchased by Dwayne Esper and used to promote his film Narcotic. And Elmer's body was like in the lobby of several theaters where he was touted as a drug addict killed by police during a robbery. And He was like, in the theaters when people were going to see his movie. And then in 1949, Elmer made his way to Los Angeles, where he was placed in storage until 1964. And then he was lent out to a filmmaker, David F. Friedman, who gave Elmer his first screen credit in the 1967 film She Freak, where she shed was tokened. (laughs) And... Elmer was then sold with a few wax figurines to the Hollywood Wax Museum, which is when people failed to recognize that Elmer was a real human corpse and he was mistaken for a wax figurine. And so his like backstory, his the truth of the matter of him being a embalmed corpse was no longer his backstory. Oh, no. So he was on display at the Wax Museum for a little bit and then he was sent to Canada and put on display as a part of an exhibit on Mount Rushmore. And the team in Canada was like, you know, Elmer's body is not lifelike enough. What? Which is ironic. They thought it was a wax figurine. And then they were like, it's not lifelike enough.
1: I mean, if life is what you're looking for, he, he ain't got it. He did. Dead. He did. He did. So the
0: team in Canada were like, oh, let's send him back to LA. So he goes back to LA. And then he was sold to Ed Leersh, who is the owner of Pike Amusement Zone, which is the amusement park on the Long Beach promenade. He was staged in the fun house as a hanging man for years. And it wasn't until 1976 when the Six Million Dollar Man TV show was filming at Pike Amusement Zone, and the set designer saw this hanging man and was like, ooh, this is such a cool prop. We should move it and put it into like the background of what we're filming so that like we get like the cool visuals. And so he's taking this prop off, the hanging, the noose that he was on, and all of a sudden, his arm falls off.
1: And that is when he went to therapy for the rest <laughs> of his life. Seriously.
0: Well, first he didn't realize. Like, so he he's like, oh, the arm fell off. It's like probably an old thing. I just need to fix it. So he goes to his little set table where he has his glue, his prop glue. Do to do back over to the body. He grabs the arm and goes to like lift it up. Where, like, it fell off and put glue on it. And he sees, oh, my God. There is bone here. There's bone and muscle here. And he just, like, throws the arm. He scrambles backwards. He's freaked out. He calls the police. And he's like, this is not a prop. This is a real human corpse. And so the police come. And they open an investigation. And for, like, a brief hot second, they were like, was someone murdered? And hung in this amusement park. But they were able to track the bill of sales all the way back to the two brothers, the Patterson brothers, which is when they realized this is Elmer McCurdy and this is a human being.
1: Oh, man. Can you imagine the excitement, though, in the police quarters, like wherever they were when they finally made the connection of like just that that leap from when it went from being a wax figure or a prop uh-huh. to an actual person and then they're like we found it yes
0: well also i feel like the leap from going from oh my gosh there was a murder to you no, know, this is a strange situation where a body has been mummified and sold
1: yeah everyone just figured we'd pass around this one dead guy for 70 years that's crazy so, so Elmer
0: was finally buried in Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma, almost 66 years after his demise, and the town residents gave him a parade to the cemetery, and his tombstone reads, Elmer McCurdy, shot by sheriff's, a sheriff's posse in Osage Hills on October seventh, 1911, returned to Guthrie, Oklahoma, from Los Angeles, California, from, for burial April twenty second, 1977. And then cement was poured over the coffin in order to make sure that Elmer never went wandering about the country ever again. (laughs) But for decades... As if it were his choice. I know, right? As if he's going, like, he's like, I need back out. But for decades, Elmer's body was traveling between carnivals and museums, and his spirit was with him the entire time. And, like, there were stories like very brief stories because there's not many records that are still around about these carnivals and things, but there were a few stories that I found where some of these carnivals that Elmer's body was at, like there were weird things happening and people would see strange apparitions or a ghostly figure of a man and they never knew what it was. And apparently bottles of liquor would go missing occasionally. And Elmer, we know, was an avid drinker, alcoholic, so it would make sense now after the fact, now that they know that Elmer was like a real human corpse, that that is why the liquor was going missing. And then in the fun house, even people said like, obviously fun houses are already terrifying, but that <laughs> when you were going Isn't through- that funny?
1: A fun house is terrifying. Yeah. They are though. Well, I guess that it's fun for some people, depending on what your definition of fun is. It's fun to get
0: scared, right? So- yes. But apparently, like, it always felt like you weren't alone. And because you weren't, because Elmer was real. He was a real human. Ghost Adventures actually did an episode uh, on Season 14, Episode 1, if you're interested. It's... Holla! Zach. (laughs) You're interested. Corinne's (laughs) interested. So the episode was on the Stone Lion Inn, which is adjacent to the Summit View Cemetery where Elmer is now buried. And according to Ghost Adventures and the legend about Stone... Lion Inn, the previous owner of the inn used to perform all these rituals in the cemetery to try to summon the spirits within the cemetery, including Elmer.
1: No, let him be. I
0: know. But so they went to go to his grave to try to like talk to him. Uh, They got like a few EVPs from him saying hanged and homicide that he was killed because he was killed by the sheriff. So technically he was murdered, but he was shooting at them. So, rightfully so. Apparently people- Yeah, he was
1: shooting at them for an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. They had reason to shoot at him. But so apparently his spirit has been seen in the stone lion inn, but there are also so many spirits in that inn that they can't be certain for sure it's him. But I don't blame him for feeling the need to just like hang around. Oh, that was poor choice of words. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to continue to haunt the world
1: (laughs) because he had a he had a rough go at it. He really did. If you look at his actual life, it's quite sad. Everything he went through. Yeah. And then you think when someone passes away, oh, they're they're set free. They're finally at peace. Right. But his body was like passed around and tormented and his limbs torn off displayed and like beat up and touched i'm sure by so many people oh my gosh can you imagine though the horror finding out that something in your fun house or like your carnival or even if you were a previous owner who had thought you had like a wax figure or prop Mm -hmm. Finding out that it was a real human corpse and thinking back to all the times that maybe you just threw it over your shoulder or carried it or like...
0: (laughs) Held its hand because you were lonely.
1: Oh, man. Maybe give a little kiss (laughs) right on the cheek and say, I love you. You're such a good prop. You're not lifelike enough, but I still love you. (laughs) But I still love you. You're doing great at being a wax figure. So
0: wild. And also, if you look at pictures of it, it is really unsettling and creepy It just amazes me that people weren't able to make the distinction between a wax figurine, which look super, like, shiny and waxy, and a mummifying, decaying corpse.
1: I know. I need to look up pictures. What is his name? Elmer? Elmer McCurdy. Did you you already do this? Oh, I did this. Oh, wow. Well, it's hard because the photos are, like, Low resolution. They're old. The fo- the photos are old. So I can kind of see. But like even uh, in these pictures you can tell
0: there is a. Especially w- when he was found in the fun house. You can see the ribs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can. The insides are. It's clear what's inside. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh this is so sad. It's just unsettling. Yeah. It's very unsettling. I mean,
0: if that was done to my body, granted, I'm not going to end my life. I'm not going to die that way or I'm not going to be doing things like that in my life. But just like uh, imagine, I mean, we've talked about this before, like even the Paris catacombs or just places where they use skeletons. And like, this is why the movie The Poltergeist was so haunted is because it was cheaper to use real human skeletons than it was to use fake ones.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And like that belonged to a human being, to a person who right. had a spirit and a soul. And to just be like, oh, I lived this this specific life and it's come to an end. And yet you're going to utilize my innards and my body for your own personal gain without my permission.
1: Right. I know because there there are so many communities. or well, I don't know if there are so many, but there are communities that will keep their deceased loved ones in mummified states and like dress them up and put them on display to celebrate their lives during certain times. But it's like that's a part of their culture and, like, going into death, they know that that's probably what's going to happen. And it's more of a celebration of life versus using someone's body as an attraction. Yeah. Whew. Yikes. Yeah. Helmer McCurdy. Well, hopefully everything's cool in the graveyard now and he's at peace and just enjoying his time whether he's moved on or whether he's just like i'm gonna hang here yeah have a couple bebidas and yeah chill
0: i mean the nice thing is that he he finally was buried which i am happy for yeah me too all right i feel like i'm getting a little spooked because i don't know this is the first time recording in this space and i don't know it I'm not familiar with it. And it has a very dark black wallpapering in like the corner by my door.
1: Oh, that's no good. And
0: New York is like, all these buildings are very historic and old and have a lot of history. And I'm going to just say no to all the ghosts.
1: Just put the message out right now. Hey, it's the first night in the hotel. Safe space
0: for me, not for you.
1: Yes, just leave Sabrina B for the next three and a half weeks, Please. Please. You should look up the building, see what you can dig up. Well, now I'm nervous. Or don't, because maybe that will scare you. I'm nervous.
0: (laughs) I don't – I feel good. I feel fine.
1: All right. Well, hopefully you'll still feel fine after this story. Oh, gosh. Though I think it's a little bit creepy. What is it? Well, so I know the topic is like dark circuses and carnivals and stuff like that. But surprisingly, it was actually kind of hard to find haunted circuses out there. And maybe you found the same thing. So either Mm – most circuses just are like blessed and relatively ghost free or actually maybe they're just really good at hiding it just like they're good at hiding the real life corpses of Elmer. people like Elmer. <laughs> yeah. But I decided to start looking at just a, something that comes from the carnival, something that you think of maybe when you think of circuses and carnivals, something eee! that over the past few decades has transitioned from Fun, family-friendly time to a bone-chilling nightmare. Oh, my god! We are talking clowns. Clowns. This is great. This is a great follow-up because I just watched
0: Very Scary People on John Wayne Gacy.
1: I – okay, and I'm – it was – okay, we'll get there. Okay, great. (laughs) I'm having a clown-filled day. It's such a clown-filled day, and I just finished – the I think it was like season seven or season eight of American Horror Story. And clowns are a big part of that season. We need to watch. Because one of the characters has a huge clown phobia. Oh. So I'm not focusing on actual clowns, but rather I'm focusing on artifacts that include clowns. So like little trinkets that are like shaped like clowns or, or whatnot. Hmm. Um, so it's just going to be a compilation of haunted clown artifacts starting with one very special artifact a painting referred to as smiley the clown and this painting seems pretty unassuming it depicts what appears to be a friendly clown he's wearing yellow he's like a well yellow shirt and a yellow hat and the painting is actually not a painting because it's stitched from yarn so i don't know interesting what you oh it's like a, it's a needle point cross stitch cross stitch My grandma used to make these. I don't know. Jill always corrects me on this because she's a cross-stitcher, so I think it's a needlepoint. I think Smiley the Clown is a needlepoint. It's a needlepoint. Anyway. Okay. Not much is known about this. I'm going to keep calling it a painting. Okay. It's believed that the painting was purchased at a Florida thrift store by some students who were attending Miami University, and these students hung the painting in their apartment, probably thinking, like, this is hysterical, like, we're so cool. But not long after adding it to their wall as this funny piece of art, the students realized that this painting was much more than just a goofy clown. They soon began having awful nightmares, and they all began to experience sleep paralysis. And each one of them, while frozen in the paralysis, they all saw this humanoid figure with dog-like eyes slowly creeping towards them. And none of the students had yet shared their experiences with one another, so they they hadn't yet made the connection to the painting. They all just thought, like, how weird. I'm having these awful nightmares, and I keep having, like, the worst Ugh. sleep paralysis with this, like, creepy creature in the corner. Terrifying. Right? And then as the nights continued, night after night, the sleep paralysis worsened, and the figure crept closer and closer to them. And eventually the figure got up to their bed and climbed into bed with them. Oh, no. <gasps> and the sleep paralysis persisted. So they laid there, stalked, tormented, and frozen with fear, with a figure lying next to them in bed. In bed. It was laying in bed with them. Yes. And it had only been three weeks since they'd introduced this. Clown painting into their apartment. And so then, once the figure was like in bed with them, they all started to sort of like mention things to each other and share with one another what had been happening to them individually and realized that they actually had this collective experience where they were all experiencing the same thing and being tormented by the same figure.
0: I hate it. And
1: that's when they realized. Okay, well, what changed three weeks ago when all of this started happening? Oh, we went to the thrift store and we brought back this freaking clown painting. <gasps> so then the students sent it anonymously to Greg and Dana, who I've mentioned plenty of times. They're the couple who own the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal yes. and the Cult. And now the painting resides among other haunted artifacts in their home, like the Crone of Catskills or the Dark Mirror we i'm tempted to go yeah so i mean you can't go to their home but you can i can't i can't just show up on their front door (laughs) i'm here to see your creepy shit (laughs) no i I don't i wouldn't put yourself in, in such a space of uh creepy energy and demonic presences but they do travel around and go to like different conferences and have different events and like I'm pretty sure they were, I swear, like last year or something, they were at the Lizzie Borden house and, or like there was some di- hosted dinner night where they had a doll with them or something. That's really cool. And I was really tempted to go, but. Oh, maybe they, oh, remember we were talking about, it. I think when I
0: talked about Annabelle, they were hosting an event. They must have Oh, maybe, been, I, yeah. That was something, I don't know. That was the John, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren thing. Never mind.
1: It all, it's just all, but yeah. But there are events that people can attend where they bring, uh, I think, probably a few artifacts at a time, or maybe it's just one. Like, they had a whole event for the Dark Mirror, the Mm -hmm. scribe Mirror. But another haunted clown artifact that is also now in Greg and Dana's possession is the Cracking Man. The Cracking Man is a clown doll. Mm. Yes, a clown doll. I don't want that. Like a clown. No, thank you already terrifying but this doll was discovered by a woman who lived in the suburb of Chicago and she was flipping a house and she had a few friends over alongside herself in the house and down in the basement they picked up what looked like a clown doll wrapped in something and then they unwrapped it realized that the clown doll was actually wrapped in a painting of itself and then I guess the woman decided that it, this clown looked um, fine enough to just take home with her and put on her own walls or shelves or wherever she decided to put it. But
0: I don't know anything else about this clown because you've just began to, begun to tell me about it. But I'm going to say it is awfully suspicious that it was wrapped in a photo of itself, which either means two things. One, it's obsessed with itself. Or two, the person who last owned it learned that that is how you contain it.
1: Yeah. Doesn't it seem, because why would you wrap it? Like, if you really cared about a painting or a drawing, wouldn't you think to just like maybe wrap it up or put it on display next to the doll, but to actually wrap a doll and like crinkle the artwork in the process? I don't know. Got some questions. scares me. So this woman, she decides to take the doll home with her. And soon, odd things start happening. And throughout the day, she hears this popping sound coming from all over the house. And she was thinking, like, weird. Maybe she's just imagining it. She'd also been losing some sleep recently, ever since she brought home the clown doll. But maybe she was just tired. She didn't really know what the popping, (laughs) cracking sound was. Whatever. But then one night, this woman wakes up. And next to her bed is a man. And his arms are twisted unnaturally. His head is drawn back. No. And his body appears broken. And then the popping sound, the cracking sound that she'd been hearing throughout her house, is now loud. And it's close by. And it sounds as if it's actually coming from this man. Like (laughs) his bones and his joints are popping. Oh. My. God. No. Thank you. Yep. And so she's shocked and she recoils in fear. And as she does so, as she moves further away from the cracking man, he does the same and he disappears. He steps back and disappears. So this cracking man is obviously attached to the clown doll. That's the only new thing this woman had brought into her home. And very quickly, the woman found a place who would take the doll, which Greg and Dana took the doll, of course. Oh, my God. However, Greg and Dana keep many of the haunted artifacts in their home with them but they do not keep the cracking man clown doll why because they started hearing the popping noises. wait that's
0: crazy because of the amount of things that they do have that do just as terrifying horrifying things and that is what they choose not to keep means yep. it's so terrifying i know
1: i wonder if maybe i wonder when they got this artifact in their possession because what they went through with the crown of cat skills and like the creepy demonic woman leaving, like, wet trails and just... Yeah. That seems so horrible, and yet I'm pretty sure they keep the Colonel Caskills with them. So I'm wondering if maybe maybe they just don't want to risk a whole nother... I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe sometimes the Dark Mirror is a judge of other artifacts, and they don't get along with each other. So maybe some of the spirits were like, you gotta go.
0: The tribe of spoken. The
1: tribe of spoken and you are voted off this island sorry you can't sit with us sorry not sorry (laughs) john zaffis he is a paranormal researcher over in connecticut um and he is the nephew to ed and lorraine warren oh and he owns his own museum it's the museum of the paranormal and it's also in connecticut the museum at this moment because i look tried to figure out where exactly it is. Um, I believe it's closed at the moment because they're searching for a proper place to reopen it to the public so that everyone can come see all the items that they have. So at the moment, it's closed, but while the search for a new property continues, there are a couple haunted clown artifacts just waiting for people to entertain. There is an antique clown, uh, and this antique clown... Is pretty menacing looking. The facial expression is more, I think it's, I don't know if I can call it a clown. It's definitely more of like a joker. It's got joker vibes. It's just, it looks like it's looking for some mischief. It almost reminds me of like Elf on a Shelf in a way. Oh, yes. Or Skeleton on jell What was it? What? Have oh. you not seen this? Oh, the meme. I posted it on our Instagram.
0: Instagram What's it meme. called? <laughs> it's not Skeleton it on, it's something like that. Let me see. I'm gonna find it. Get ready for skeleton on gelatin. Yeah.
1: Skeleton on gelatin. I love it. <laughs> I mean, um, I'll participate. Same. Um, so this this antique clown, this antique joker, even though it looks to me like if I saw it, I would never pick it up because I'm like, this thing looks evil already. But it didn't stop someone else from thinking maybe it was cute or maybe it was funny. Maybe they wanted to prank some people. I don't know. But the clown was picked up and purchased from an antique store, and the doll was brought home. And the buyer pretty immediately began having these really bizarre dreams about the clown, and then just decided, <sighs> "No, I don't Right like there, that. and then, like, ah, getting rid of it, which then allowed yeah. John Zaffis to add it to his growing collection, uh, and. John Zafis does do a bit of work with the Paranormal Research Society of New England. And one of the members is named Joanne. And she has the ability of psychometry, which is the ability to read the energy of something that she's holding. So she actually picked up this antique clown. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Who else has that power? Oh, it's vampire. No, I almost said vampire diaries. It's... um. Oh my gosh! In what's the Twilight? In the Twilight, (laughs) what's the Twilight? It's the what's the Twilight series called?
0: (laughs) It's like when you're looking for your phone and it's in your hand.
1: (laughs) Um, That's one of the powers of someone. I think it's the the baby
0: in Twilight. If
1: she touches your face or something, she can like see everything.
0: Oh, I know who it is. It's the. the girl with the dark short spiky hair
1: it's their baby you know what probably a bunch of people in the movie have this power yeah let's not argue about twilight (laughs) (laughs) if this is an argument i feel like we're gonna be friends forever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay anyway so she picks up this artifact she picks up this clown and she drops it back down very quickly like within seconds and she says the feeling is way too intense and everything just felt extremely unsettling she couldn't quite pin what it was though but this clown isn't alone in its home in the museum of the paranormal in connecticut it also has another clown friend a sad clown oh the sad clown is a painting and it was purchased at an estate sale what's up with all these clown paintings I don't know, but not to bring up the good place again, but that was... Oh, yeah, her... Her living you. room was just yeah. clown paintings. <laughs> Do you think there's a good market for clown paintings? Because I'm pretty sure I could paint a clown pretty well. John Wayne Gacy thought the same thing about himself. Okay. Oh, John and Wayne he, Gacy. He did terrifying. sell them for quite a bit of money. Okay, anyway, but uh, the sad clown was purchased at an, an estate sale by this woman who brought it home thinking it'd be... A great addition to her living room. Who doesn't want to look at a sad clown? It's like the crying boy. It is. It actually is very much so like that. Interesting. Because it's just like he looks so sad too. But the family immediately took a dislike to this clown Painting and mm-hmm. said that the eyes of the clown would follow them as they moved throughout the room. Ugh. And then, not only that, but the painting would also fall off of the wall with no reasonable explanation. And none of the other photographs or paintings, artwork fell down. Only the clown would fall. And after That's a while, strange. the family got fed up and they got rid of the painting, which is why it's now at that museum. But there's one painting, one clown artifact that stands above all else. And this is the painting of Pogo the Clown. (gasps) Yes, Pogo the Clown. Oh no, A.K.A. John Wayne Gacy's alter ego. It's a photo, just a picture. It's a it's a painting. So why? Why did someone paint that? Okay. Okay, so in the 1970s, for anyone that does not know who John Wayne Casey is, I'll give a very, very brief overview of this man and the horrendous murders he did. But in 1970, John Wayne Gacy went from being known as a husband, a restaurant manager, and an upstanding citizen in the community to literally every single person's worst nightmare. His alter ego was Pogo the Clown, sometimes also went by the name as Patches the Clown, which was probably the only nice part of him ever because Gacy would dress up as Pogo the Clown and he'd go to different events in the community to help raise money for local charities. Yes, he'd go and visit children at the hospitals to cheer them up. Totally not bad, right? Well, as we all know now, while Pogo the Clown and John Wayne Gacy were doing their thing, being cheery in the community, John Wayne Gacy was also... Murdering young men, many of them like teens, and yeah. he would sexually assault them, he would torture them, and often murder them by strangulation or asphyxiation. Most of yeah. his victims were buried underneath his home, beneath the floorboards. And there are like maps out there that you can see, like drawings of exactly where the bodies were. Um, I, w- I was just watching home.
0: this, and it's because I had never seen the like photos of them unearthing the bodies. He ran out of space under his deck.
1: He did so. Yeah. So, so it, his. That's how horrible it is. It's there were thirty three men that he was sentenced for. So I mean yeah. the deaths could be higher, but I believe right. it was thirty three in total. Um, but yeah, he ran out of space and he started burying them in his backyard. And then the final few murders that he committed, he dumped his victims' bodies in the nearby river. Yeah. So, Ooh, awful. And he horrible. was sentenced to death. And they but let him write a book. They let him do a lot of shady things. He basically was an entrepreneur in jail. jail, yeah. So he had, although he was on death row, he had 14 years to live before he would be executed. So he spent his time doing things like you said, writing a book. But also, he spent a lot of time oil painting. I didn't know this part. Doing some good old paintings. Yeah, there's some, like, there's uh, a bit of controversy over some of his paintings because I believe it's thought that he kind of, like, ran a shop, like, ran a painting business and had some other people paint things for him and just, like, sign his name and, like, would slip them a profit, Mm. a little piece of the pie. I don't know. But anyway, John Wayne Gacy, he became a painter in in jail and he painted a lot of things he often painted things that seemed more dark and murderous but many paintings were portraits of himself dressed as his alter ego pogo the clown
0: i'm looking them up now Mm -hmm. (gasps) no
1: he wasn't a great artist no
0: but i feel like this is what i could do
1: right But it just makes it almost creepier that they're not well done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
1: If that makes sense.
0: They are unsettling.
1: Yeah. And many people were also quite upset that someone as evil as John Wayne Gacy could profit from his paintings while awaiting the death penalty. So there was a whole lot of drama over that. And then also in 1994, which was the year of his execution, there were 300 people, including some of the victims' family members, who traveled to Illinois to watch 25 of his paintings burn? Oh. But there were still many more paintings that remained, still paintings out there in the world today.
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy.
1: Seven years after John Wayne Gacy was executed in 2001, a man named Nikki Stone purchased one of Gacy's paintings. And this was an oil painting on canvas of Poco the Clown. Mm-mm. And the painting had already been passed around a bit, had quite a few owners in the short amount of time that it had existed. But this painting is very special because it's believed to have absorbed the murderous instinct of no. John Wayne Gacy. No, thank you. Yes. I picture it kind of here's a little Harry Potter for you, Sabrina. I think it's more of like a whore crux, like it's a part of him. Right. Which, it's a piece of John. But Wayne that's Gacy. not good. No, it's not. And the death toll rises because this painting exists. Fun
0: so, side note, I'm going to see Cursed Child on Broadway next weekend, or actually the day before this comes out, so I'll be talking about it a lot.
1: Okay. Next week. <laughs> Shortly after Nikki Stone purchased the Poco the Clown painting in two thousand one, tragedies started to no. come a knocking at the door. So the first tragedy for that Nicky experienced was the death of his sweet, sweet pupper. No, not the pup, not the pup. And then it was just, or it was just so sudden and unexpected. And so it left him very shocked and in mourning. And then next, his mother was diagnosed with cancer. And so quickly realizing that the painting may have brought him some bad luck, Stone asked a friend to store the painting for him because He just needed it out of his house and out of his sight. And he just, just in case that was what was bringing the bad luck and the bad omen, he just wanted, wanted to get rid of it. So the friend agreed and put it in his own home. But shortly after, the friend's neighbor got into an awful, awful car accident and passed away. (gasps) And the friend had been really close to his neighbor and was upset and was like, this is the fault of the painting. Like I said, I'd take the painting for you, but now look at what's happening. Like death is following me now, and so then together they find another friend to take over the painting. And this other friend began to feel so extremely haunted by the painting. Oh, he I felt don't like, like that. he was being watched and taunted by Pogo the clown, and he ended up falling into a depression. He began having suicidal thoughts, and he attempted suicide at one point, which was, like, the breaking point for the group of friends. And they were like, this is enough. Everyone who sees the painting gets, like, an icy chill in their veins. Bad luck is following everybody. Like, we just, we've got to go. And actually, fun fact, at one point, the painting was with one of Stone's friends in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh. Which is right here. Wow. So it was close by, but... They were like, it's time to let go of Poco the Clown. And so this painting, this extremely dangerous painting, was to be sold. And that's what they did. And seemingly, the death and danger that once followed them vanished. So they believed that it definitely was attributed to the painting. And maybe that's why the painting had been passed around so many times prior to them buying it or Stone buying it. Wow. Another owner... A well-known owner of the Pogo the Clown painting was Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp actually owned this painting at one point. But the painting made him feel so repulsed that he actually developed a fear of clowns. He couldn't bear to look at the painting. And so Johnny Depp, too, sold the Pogo the Clown painting. And so now we wait to hear... What tragedies unfold on the newest owners of the painting? Wait. And all of us hoping and praying. Didn't
0: Johnny Depp go broke? Huh? Didn't Johnny Depp have like a ton of financial issues? Was it while he had the painting?
1: Oh my God, maybe.
0: Or maybe he's just a wealthy person who doesn't know how to handle his money.
1: Either way. Yeah, maybe he's got a whole lot of issues that he needs to do. And that's with probably him. why he bought the painting in the first place. Because. <sighs> yeah. But I'm just – I don't know where the painting is now. I couldn't find out where it is or who the owner is. Um, But I'm just, like, praying that it all ends. Maybe it's just looking for its perfect match, and then it will find it and just be, like, (sighs) chill and not hurt anyone. But otherwise, John Wayne Gacy's spirit lives on in this painting.
0: I feel like – I'm blanking on their names – that couple with the traveling museum –
1: Dana they and should, Greg. Yeah, they the should. Kirk.
0: They should get it. They should take it.
1: They should. Or the the Ed and Lorraine Warren's nephew over in Connecticut. Yeah,
0: I'm curious. Now that John Wayne Casey's dead, how does like is there someone in his family who's making the money off of his paintings, and how much does this painting go for?
1: Um, I think people would buy them for like probably originally like four hundred dollars. But now I think they are sold for much more like I think I might be making this up, but I feel like I remember that Nikki Stone bought the painting for like three thousand dollars, maybe.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Which is a lot for like someone who has absolutely almost zero experience in art. Right. Taking some oil to a canvas in jail. And painting whatever comes to mind
0: i mean it's crazy because i feel like unfortunately he, it probably is worth more because it's a serial killer who painted it which is why it's an issue in the first place
1: oh absolutely and that's why it was so upsetting to so many people in the community and like a huge a lot of the families that the victims felt like it was a big like f you Jeez, yeah
0: well i don't blame them
1: right yeah oh my god clown stuff is scary clowns are scary that's why we have the movie it that's why i know i never had all over the place
0: i never had a fear of clowns until this episode i feel like now if i see clown i'm i've always had a a resistance to accepting a clown into my life
1: (laughs) but now have you been propositioned (laughs) by uh
0: i i don't know what i meant by that i feel like I don't know, like, when you're at, like, haunted places, I was never, like, oh, I should be scared of you, you know, like, the amusement parks or whatever it is when the clowns are chasing you. I never felt I should be scared of them, and I, like, I would run.
1: Yeah. Do you remember last year? Was it last year when there was that whole string of... I think it was 2016
0: or 2017.
1: Like, guys, like, don't do that. Like, it's it's messed up. Yeah. And it's also... I always think it's like, it's dangerous too for anyone who just is trying to play a prank because you have no idea who you're encountering and who you're going to play the prank on. Like, right. What if someone feels extremely threatened and extremely triggered by you coming out of the woods at a children's park at night in a clown costume Which and they take matters normal. into their own hands?
0: Yeah, that I would feel very threatened by that. If right. anyone, if anyone were to come, I don't, first of all, in this situation, I don't know why I'm at a child's park late at night, but if I were, and anyone came walking out of the woods, like even in plain clothes, I would freak out. And then to add a lot,
1: add upon that layer of them dressed as a clown, I would freak out. There was actually the best Halloween costume a few years ago. When I went as 11 from Stranger Things, I ran into a guy who wasn't speaking at all, he was completely silent the entire, like, we were at the same bar, like so June. I was totally watching him plenty, but he never spoke a word. But he had the perfect, like, replica outfit of the clown from American Horror Story. I think it was, like, season five or something.
0: Which is based off John Wayne Gacy.
1: Yes. hmm With, like, the mask that goes around the...
0: The jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. It was so good. And oh, that's he creepy. high-fives me, and I was like... Yes. This makes me feel like I have a good costume if <laughs> someone with the best costume is high-fiving me.
0: Oh, my gosh. I need help with my costume this year. Please help me, everyone.
1: I think I know what I'm going as, but I'm also timid about it just because I don't know what my plans are for Halloween. Is it Big and- Mouth? What?
0: Is it Big Mouth?
1: <laughs> no. Oh. But the new season of Big Mouth is out, and I've been watching it.
0: I know I need to watch it.
1: <laughs> it's good. Well, it's always good. Um, hmm no, I think I'm gonna be much simpler. Well, I say simpler. It's it's not. Sure. Right, can you tell us, or is this I like know. a what surprise? I tell you? you can surprise me. Well, I'm not going to be old Greg anymore, just because I need a mother liquor. Um. Mm. So until I have a mother liquor to complete my outfit,
0: that I could be I'll... a mother liquor <laughs> if we spend it together.
1: If we spend it together, one hundred percent. But I need I need to know soon because i gotta get crafting i know know. um but i think okay i'll just say it i think even though ah, i'm so torn because i don't need to what you don't need to tell us (laughs) okay i won't but i'll just say it's a lot it's kind of like funny but also spooky and there's obviously a wig and there's some long sleeves and i some face paint and i feel like it could be it could be just like uh, really I could really be overheating depending on where I go.
0: I'd yeah, I mean I I wish I could
1: help you, but I don't know what it is, so I we can talk I d I don't know. I wanna know. I just love I just love exposing it on Halloween. Okay,
0: fine. Expose yourself to me on Halloween.
1: <laughs> oh I will get ready. <laughs> I'm a FaceTime you.
0: Uh, oh my gosh. Well, I need help, so everyone else help me. Okay. So to go along with your story of horrifying clowns and to add to my newfound fear of clowns, Mm -hmm. I have a listener story from Amalthea that's called Chased by a Clown. (laughs) For the record, I've been terrified of clowns since I saw them at the circus. Their smiles are creepy and you never really know who is behind all of that paint. So true. I was about 15 years old when my mom and I moved into the three-bedroom side-by-side apartment in Rochester, New York. I wasn't necessarily happy about the move, and the apartment seemed dark right off the bat. For the record, I've always been sensitive to the paranormal, and I had what I've now realized was a ghost child as a friend growing up. But I digress. Shortly after moving into the apartment, I became extremely depressed. My mom was rarely home because of work, so it was usually just me and the dog at the apartment. Of all the places in the apartment, the darkness seemed to radiate from the basement. Go figure. And that's where the laundry was even more perfect. There was a back room in the basement and the light didn't reach there and it was bathed in darkness. I would always bring the dog down with me to do laundry, but he would always leave immediately. One day I was down in the basement and I begrudgingly was doing laundry after telling my mom I really didn't want to go into the basement because I was afraid. And she told me I was too old to be afraid of the basement and that we needed clean clothes. So I went. And I was loading the whites into the washer when the single bulb lamp we had in the basement to light the area flickered. I looked up, reasonably startled given my location, and I looked to the back room. My heart almost jumped out of my throat, and I thought I was going to faint, but I had to move because there was a clown in the doorway. Oh! I took off, running up the stairs, and it chased me as far as the steps into the kitchen. I kept running up to my room, and every day after that, I would hear footsteps on the basement stairs. One day, I ended up having to come in through the side door, which led directly to the basement stairs, and as I came into the door and went to close it, I was physically pushed by something unseen down the basement stairs, and I landed on my back. I got up immediately and ran to my room where I stayed until my mom came home. I never told her a thing. We ended up moving a few months later, but it doesn't matter. I've been followed by a dark entity ever since. I'm almost 26 now, so I guess it's here to stay. I only occasionally wake up with bruises. Oh, no, that's not okay. No. And my depression and anxiety meds help a lot. Thanks for reading my story. I love you guys. Amalthea.
1: Holy moly. That. Getting chased up the stairs and then taunted. Like, it sounds like she's just getting taunted because she'll hear the steps yeah hear the footsteps on the stairs every once in a while like reminded like hey you're not ever you didn't escape me just because you well it pushed her down the stairs that's true terrifying and then it followed her to a completely new place
0: i just okay well when i first heard that i was like oh is this a terrifying creepy clown person hiding in their basement it's a real human who just started chasing her, or is it a spirit? But clearly now, now we know it's a spirit if it followed her.
1: It makes me wonder if this is some sort of demonic entity that feeds off of someone's worst fear <sighs> and maybe clowns were one of her ultimate worst fears and it somehow knew that.
0: Well, she said that she's always been afraid of them, so maybe. Right. Oh, Amalfia, we need to find a way to help you. Let's discuss. If anyone out there knows how to get rid of a creepy clown ghost, let's help Amalfia.
1: Everyone, come together! We are fighting ghost clowns now.
0: That's our two girls. Our ghost. new motto: We fight two girls,
1: ghost clowns. no ghost clown. <laughs> oh, I love that! <laughs> That's wonderful. Regular clowns, love them. Ghost clowns, no, thank you. Get out, get out. Okay, I have a listener story. It is from L. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I adore you both. My favorite parts are when you scare each other it makes me giggle so hard and it reminds me of my own friends <laughs> so fun. my good buddy claire turned to me onto your podcast so if you do read this you're welcome claire they said your name <laughs> <laughs> oh friendship anyway i just listened to your train story i listened to your podcast every night before bed and you mentioned a clown episode well i sure do have a spooky story for you it's my brother's story honestly I really, really love clowns and have never had a scary incident with them.
0: Things no one ever says.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, my grandma on my dad's side was always obsessed with clowns. She'd have a little clown and a Jester porcelain doll, you know, those gaudy ones, like the small yet knowing clown, all around her house. And when I was about five, she moved in with us. And my brother, who is four years older, always hated her clowns. But his real phobia had yet to begin. Okay. Someone insert a spooky laugh.
0: I think my second one was better than my first one.
1: I liked it all together, <laughs> just as a sequence. Um, what
0: if I laughed like that normally?
1: I would I would pull you aside and say Sabrina. <laughs> We got to work love on that to laugh. help mentor you maybe on some more appropriate laughing <laughs> techniques. <laughs> I appreciate you. She writes, "Side note, my grandma was not a kind lady and I don't want to get into it in case I bum anyone out, but we were always convinced that she did some sort of dark satanic stuff. She was very mentally ill and physically ill and it was just a bad situation. Aww. However, for some reason, she gave me some of her jester dolls." I put them on my shelf, and while I have always been afraid of dolls, these ones didn't seem to bother me at all. I collect them from thrift shops to this day. (laughs) She's the one that's buying these things. You answered our question. Thank you, Elle. I'd make my dad come in and turn all the dolls around so they didn't face my bed while I slept. And he'd always forget to turn them because they didn't scare me. For a couple of days, though, I'd wake up and one or both would be missing and would later turn out that they had been in my brother's room. My mom accused me of having moved them there to scare him. But at that point, I was seven and way too busy reading to bother with scaring him. (laughs) Yet the dolls would always be moved. And at this point, my mom and grandma were always at odds and she suspected her of having moved the dolls for whatever reason. Ew. It got to the point where she was fed up and put the dolls in a box and shut them in the hall closet without my grandma knowing. And that night my brother woke all of us up with blood curdling screams. My mom said she ran into his room and found <gasps> him on the floor, his window wide open. No. He was sobbing and told her that a clown had come in his window and pulled him from his bed. No. Giving him rug burn no. on his back, even as it tried to pull him through the window. Oh, full tilt. Oh my gosh. Oh. My brother was 11 and wasn't the sort to make up wild stories or to scream in the middle of the night. I was the one with night terrors. My dad was a Marine, so he grabbed his gun and he ran outside, and there was no one to be found. And our Chow Chow hadn't even heard a thing. Needless to say, oh, <laughs> well, sorry. I'm just like picturing them being like, Chow Chow, did you hear anything? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> ciao ciao. i'm fine joe ciao, ciao. i'm still sleeping needless to say my mom threw these dolls out so fast yeah and not much later my grandma was forcefully removed from the house by police and sent back to live with my dad's other siblings oh oh even with her gone i was still plagued by her energy in the house and i have many terrifying stories of my own from my time growing up there Wow. If you'd like, I'll send them in. Yes, Yes, we would. We would. Thank you both for your podcast. It makes my insomniac nights bearable. Love, Elle. I'm a millennial and a Slytherin.
0: Yeah, Elle. And you sent pictures of your
1: cats. Pictures of the cats. So, they're so cute. I love them. They're so cute. But holy crap. How terrifying.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't like that at all.
1: Okay, it's one thing to be like, okay, the dolls are getting up and walking themselves over to the room, but the fact that they they were targeting her brother yeah, and moving into his room, and then as soon as they were put away into a bin, that spirit manifested as a full-grown like male clown Horrifying. and tried to rip her her brother forcibly from the bed what would have happened if he actually made it to the window or if he were heavy sleepers and didn't hear his screams i have no words this is absolutely
0: terrifying thank god i'm on the ninth floor of my hotel so no clowns are gonna be climbing in through my window
1: i don't know ghost clowns can do whatever they want it also doesn't
0: open so that's good
1: so that's even more terrifying they're just gonna be hovering outside oh, looking Karen. in no sorry sabrina
0: it's like the scene in it too. The balloon follows the guy through up like the windows and it comes inside. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. That height. It's so scary. Clowns? No. No. Clowns, nope. No. I'm out. Whew. Okay. Wow. I now need to pee because of my fear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you guys have stories of your own, please do email them to us, especially because we will be cruising through, crushing out some more encounters we will be moving to a longer format for our encounters soon therefore we get to include more encounters we want them all we want them
0: all please rate and review us on itunes all great reviews mean so much to us and they help us stay on the charts and
1: (laughs) all great reviews (laughs) and for those that don't do great reviews you're a clown to me you're no longer listening so (laughs) you won't hear oh well
0: yeah support us you can support us in so many ways patreon uh supporting us by buying merch or just telling all your friends about it and following us on social media and we will see you
1: see you on on the the other other side side.
0: very spooky